We're going to look just a few minutes at Luke chapter 10, just a few verses AJ mentioned earlier. As you're turning there and would say, man, one of the coolest things that I thank God for this morning is I was just telling him thank you, thinking over the past year, it's just him bringing us here to get to be part of Dublin Bible Church. It's been awesome to get to know you, and uh, no doubt still more to get to know of you and for you of me. And so share with you this morning something you may not have realized yet, probably haven't had the opportunity to know about me, and that is um, I am a soloist dancer. And I don't know why people are laughing when they hadn't even, like, <laughs> you hadn't seen it. How do you know if it's good or not? But, right, so I'm, I'm a soloist dancer, and by that I don't mean that, that you would see me with a bunch of other people and I would be doing the lone dance by myself as a soloist. I mean, I really do enjoy dancing when I'm solo by myself, right? So, like, I make some things happen in the bathroom mirror. Y'all don't even know, right? <laughs> like, I see myself do things, and I don't know if it's my perception or my skill or both, but I'm like, man, that is, people would be impressed with that, right? And so then I think, well, be humble. Don't cause others to stumble. And so then I don't dance. I'm just kidding. But, but I, I really do, man. I, I was caught once, by the way, trying to learn a popular dance a few years ago. One of my kids walked into the bathroom, and I was like, hey, no, just drying my hair, right? Like, it's, I, I, I like to dance. I like to move. I like to have a little rhythm. Uh, don't like to be seen. Some of the more awkward moments in my life have come in moments when I'm dancing publicly. I, I thought really easily of one. Uh, I was in a grocery store, Food World, in Forestdale, Alabama, and man, um, the music just gripped me. I don't know if you've heard that jazz they play at a grocery store, but it can get you if you let it. And I was just breaking it off a little something while my mom was picking some stuff off of the shelf. And then I heard a guy say my nickname. Everybody used to call me. I heard somebody say, J.D., are you dancing? And I turned around, and it's a guy, Stephen, from my class at the end of the row, and I just turned red and was like, no, not dancing, right? Never forget it. I, I've had awkward moments dancing at school dances when I, I didn't really want to do the whole boy-girl dance thing, but that's what I was told we were supposed to do, and then you're weird if you don't do it, and so then you're there, you don't know where you're supposed to put your hands, what are you supposed to say when you're this close to a female, I, you've never been trained, nobody has told you, what do you do with that, right? I, I remember feeling awkward when my dad had learned that I could do the vanilla ice crisscross scissor leg thing and, and pair it with some MC Hammer scoot dance, and, and he made me do that in uh, the party room at Pizza Hut one time in front of my baseball team for a team party, and I was absolutely embarrassed. I've had more than a few awkward moments when I dance publicly. I don't typically enjoy it. What's weird, though, is that even though a lot of my painful, emotional, embarrassing moments come in public dancing moments, one of the coolest moments in my entire life is when I was dancing publicly. One of the moments that I really enjoy the most to think about, we just crossed, I, I think it was probably the 18th anniversary of that moment. I was dressed up in dress clothes, which if you know much about me, that's not necessarily my go-to. The more formal things get, the more nervous I get usually. Those things usually go hand in hand. But I was dressed up in dress clothes, and man, I was dancing with a broom full of people. I've never met any of them ever before. Right now you're thinking, how did that possibly happen? I just crashed a party and was like, here it is. No, that's not what happened, right? I had the night of my life dancing, and for whatever reason, I had no hold back. I didn't have a filter. I wasn't worried about how it looked because standing right across from me was this girl that I had met on the phone for hours at a time for about a month, and, and this girl was beautiful, and she was dancing, and she was enjoying it, and she was like, she's my wife now, so I can say these things, <laughs> right? And, and, and so she was dancing. She was going forward, and this same girl whose voice I had heard on the phone and who we had laughed together, now we're laughing right across from each other. There was even a moment at one point where I was kind of easing back a little bit, just right rocking back, and she grabbed my tie and pulled me in, and I was like, oh, Jesus, we're getting married, right? Like, that was it, right? It was, it was, it was,
was such a good night. It just was, man. It was just a good night. I'm sure there are people right now who, for random reasons, they wake up every day and they're like, I remember that guy dancing at that thing. That guy can dance. They probably don't. Right? But it, it was such a good night for me in contrast to all the public dance moments that were crippling for me inside. Why? Because of who I was dancing with. <laughs> who it was with made all the difference in the world. And you know this to be true in your life, an experience that's not necessarily your favorite or Maybe it's even an experience that you don't necessarily care for. can all of a sudden become something you really do enjoy or at least something that's bearable just based on who's with you. I'll prove it to you. Think about your favorite restaurant to eat at, your favorite place to go eat, your favorite meal. And then in your mind's eye, you're thinking about sitting at the table in that restaurant, okay? Look around the table in your mind's eye. Who's there with you? I bet it's your friends. I bet it's your spouse or your family, right? It's people that you love. You go to this place together. You've developed memories here. You like it here with these folks. I bet none of us in the room, when I said in your mind's eye who's sitting at the table, none of us went to the person who bullied us in fifth grade. Like, hey, they're here with me. Nobody, none of us went to the boss who's difficult and our personalities clash. Nobody went to that person sitting at the table. Then Nobody went to the difficult people. We went to the people that we know and love because who we're with can literally shape our enjoyment of an experience. And this morning, as we take kind of our last week of a break from Philippians, we're going to jump back in next week. But as we kind of start a new year and, and continue our break from Philippians, the encouragement from my heart to our heart, starting with me, from my heart to us as a church, but asking God, me first, is, is simply this, not necessarily that we would incorporate a bunch of listed out resolutions of spiritual disciplines, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, and if that's you and that's good for you, that's awesome and I'm, I'm great that that's your personality type. I've just found that when I start off a new year with a bunch of resolutions, then I'm usually at about quarter one ending right around March going, man, I have blown all of them. <laughs> So I don't, I don't want to encourage you with a whole bunch of stuff. Instead of encouraging you to do a bunch of stuff differently, I, I just really want to encourage you, and I believe the Lord would be honored. If we wouldn't think about doing a bunch of new stuff, but we would think about doing the things that we do with a different mindset, that we would think about doing those things with Jesus. Because we can do life, and we can enjoy the good life that Jesus has given us, but it's different, isn't it? When we do life with Jesus, we can even do life about Jesus in some ways. So the heart of empty religion is I'll do a lot of these things about him so that I'm on his good list and stay off of his bad list. I'll do a lot of these things about him. I'll sing about him. I'll honor him in my moral decisions. I'll do these things about him because I know I'm supposed to. I know it's right. But I'm not really doing it with him. If I could say anything to our hearts as we start a new year is that there is a God who desires for you not just to do life about him at a distance as if you honor him in some ways from far away, but that you would do life with Jesus. We're going to see a picture of both the, the negative and the positive of this reality of what it looks like when we do a whole lot apart from Jesus, when we just don't do much, but we do it with him as we look at Luke today. Luke was a very intelligent doctor. We know from the first few verses of Luke, the first few verses of Acts, that he was hired, we believe, by a guy named Theophilus. 
He was hired to go and research the claims about Jesus. He was probably paid good, and, and probably some people think it took about two years for him to go and talk to eyewitnesses who met Jesus personally, or at least great friends of eyewitnesses who knew and had heard the stories about Jesus' life. And Luke went and he did this research for Theophilus, and the results of that research is what we have in our Bibles as the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And so he's writing in the book of Luke about the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus so that we might be able to trust in Jesus the way that he has, that we might be able to find the joy in life in Jesus the way that he has. As we jump into Luke chapter 10, Jesus has already been doing public ministry. He's already well known. So a lot of times when I think about Jesus, if I'm not careful when I'm reading the Bible, I just imagine that he's out in the sticks somewhere. There's like maybe nine people around and maybe three of them like him and the other ones hadn't even heard of him. Not the case. We're talking thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people, probably in his immediate context. And we're talking about many of them have heard of him. Many of them are fascinated with him, following him around. Many of them are seeking him out to do miracles. That's kind of the, the mode that Jesus is in as we jump into Luke chapter 10. We're going to start actually in verse 38. It says this. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. Underline that word in your heart. Ask God to make that one bold with bright lights in your mind. She was distracted, Martha was, with much serving. She went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. We we'll make sure that we zone in at least for a second on probably the least focalized part of this passage, the least focalized part of this story, but it may also be the most important part of this story because without it, none of the rest of it takes place. And it's just simply this, that it says that Jesus entered their village. See, Jesus knows all things. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what he's going to do. He's not, he's not like me. He doesn't intend to go to the grocery store, but then he doesn't go to the grocery store because he doesn't know where his keys are. That's never happened to Jesus. Right? He, he's doing things on purpose always. When he's doing something, he's doing it because that's his plan. It says he entered into their village. We know from other Bible passages the, the village was Bethany. It was not a huge village, a smaller village. He comes there, and he's invited in by Martha, and he comes to her. And I, I just draw that out just briefly because if we think for a second that the gospel starts with us, if we think that the good news about a gracious God starts with us and and our good thinking or our realization of, oh no, who I need this God. Or if we think it starts with us living good enough so that God would send Jesus or pay attention to us. Man, then we're setting ourselves up for a lifetime of defeat if we think that that's what we're living in response to. The good news of the gospel starts with a holy God. A holy God seeing and knowing people who are rebellious towards him in their hearts, who are spiritually dead. And yet he chooses, he initiates, he comes to people. That's what the story of the gospel is, and that's your story if you're a follower of Jesus. Whether you've thought about it in that framework or not before, you were living your life, and, and maybe your life was in denial of God, and it was wrapped up in a whole bunch of religious stuff where you were doing a bunch of about God stuff, and you were doing really good in comparison to others at being really good, but you didn't really know and love God. Or maybe your story is the opposite, and you were being really reckless with life. 
you were dishonoring God and didn't care and didn't, didn't want to know if there was a hint, and you were just going for it, living for your own pleasure. But either way, your story, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that at some point, if the Bible's true and your heart was spiritually dead, at some point, Jesus came and sat down in your kitchen and woke you up. He went, look at me. Look at my love for you. See, Jesus' coming close is undeniable evidence of God's commitment to intimacy with you. Say that again. Jesus coming close to us, even when we were sinners who weren't asking him to, who weren't begging him to, who weren't proving ourselves enough, who, who weren't doing enough to garner his positive attention, right? When Jesus is coming close to us in that state is undeniable evidence of the fact that he is committed to truly knowing us, to intimacy with us spiritually, to, to revealing himself to us, to us getting to know him. We don't serve a God that's just from a distance. He's gone on record about how he feels about knowing your heart. Probably that same weekend, as I can recall, that, that my wife and I went dancing. We were at her college, a small, private college. And it was probably the day after, if I'm remembering correctly, that I'm sitting with her in the kind of commons area of the college. But the, the, the college was not many people, and the buildings were not very big. It was a smaller little room. And I was sitting there on the couch with her. And I'm, if I'm just being honest with y'all, I wanted to hold her hand about as bad as I've ever wanted to do anything in my life. Right? I mean, she had grabbed my tithing out before and pulled me in. I was like, I want to hold this girl's hand. But she knew that she's at a small school and that everybody sees and knows everything. And she had to decide, was she going to put that out there for people to see so that she would become the topic of conversation for everybody? You see, Jamie, she sounds like that boy from Alabama. Roll Tide. Right? She, you, you see it? She had to make that decision. And yet I was trying to ooch in just a little bit. I didn't want to be overkill. Like, you're going to hold my hand, right? Because that's a little bit Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. And nobody liked that guy, right? But I was just trying to get my hand close enough that maybe our knuckles would be brushed up against each other, you know? And then it'd be like accidentally, like, girl, why are you trying to touch me? I'll hold your hand, right? Like, but I just kept trying. She had a decision to make. And I remember us talking not long after that day and her saying, you know, I think what it is is that I was, I was hurt in another relationship. I was hurt by another guy. And she said, you know, I, I do like you. I'm just guarding my heart, trying to make sure that this is a safe place for my heart to go. And, and I said to her, well, I think that's good. I think you need to because I'm coming for it. <laughs> Anybody ever says that to my daughter? Right here, elbow, just straight to the nose. Right? But I said that to her because here's the deal. I do think you're wise to guard your heart. I do think you're wise to, to go in cautiously and with a clear mind and all those things. If you're going to give your heart to someone in any kind of a committed fashion, that's awesome. But need to know that you do need to guard it because I'm not hiding my intentions at all. I'm coming for your heart. And much more important than some little redneck dude from Alabama that thought he could dance at a formal thing is King Jesus who has said clearly to a sinful humanity, I'm coming for you. I'm on the record. There doesn't have to be any awkwardness about us talking through how we feel about this. We don't need to determine the relationship talk where you decide and get to find out if I'm interested. Right? I have come while you were sinners. If you're going to do life with Jesus, you're going to have to have a, a strong measure of belief and trust in your heart that he actually is willing to, that he actually desires to do life with you. And he's already gone on record and proven it. So he comes into this village and he comes to sit down in the house as Martha invited him in. 
says he came and he began to teach. And as he was teaching, there were two different responses between the sisters. Interesting enough, a, a rabbi of the time, it was uncommon, it would have been dishonorable for him to teach females, to let them sit in close proximity and hear his teaching. And yet here's Jesus going, no, 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 come on. If you'll listen, come on. And yet what Martha does in response to that is that she gets busy cleaning up the house. She gets busy maybe making the meal. She gets busy making sure things are clean. She's busy. And it's interesting because the text we just read says she was anxious and troubled. She was busy with what? Much serving. It didn't say she was busy with much cell phone so she couldn't pay attention to Jesus. It doesn't say she was busy with much blatant sinfulness. It doesn't say she was busy with much shopping. She was busy with serving. <laughs> you ever been accused of serving too much? Like you're just doing too much for me. Anybody ever say that to you? Not something I've heard a lot of. She's busy and she's doing good things. But she's busy because she thinks that she has to present things to Jesus Present things to those around Jesus in just such a way that he will be honored. If you don't hear anything else today, take this with you. If you're going to live life with Jesus this year, preoccupation with presentation will keep us from enjoying God's presence. If we're preoccupied with thinking about how it is that we present ourselves to Jesus, how it is that we present ourselves to those around us, how it is we present ourselves to each other as a church, if we're focused more on how we present ourselves, then we will miss the enjoyment of the presence of God. My mama, that's what we call them in Alabama. What do y'all call them up here in Georgia? Like mom mini or something like that? I don't know. Like my mama was one of my favorite people ever to live. She loved Jesus with a humility and just a sweet, tender soul. I mean, she was known by a lot of people for no big reason, just because of who she was. I'll never forget, if you went to her house just to spend time with her, it, you almost didn't get to spend much time with her at all because she spent the whole time trying to do things for you. She always had one or two desserts in the fridge just in case somebody came by, so there would be some rice pudding or some coconut pie or some buttercream cake. If you don't know about buttercream cake, ooh! Right, it was good. She always had something. She had a little dish of Snickers to give you as your dessert after your main dish of cake as dessert. She had, she, she was always, the, the big cartons of Whoppers malted milk balls, I don't know if you remember those. She would pour those things out. I would drink them like that. I'd just get after them, right? She's just always doing something for you, getting you a drink. She's always doing, and it's, it's like, hey, I, I would love it, Mama, if you would just sit down. <laughs> I came to see you. The cake is awesome. If I'm being honest about my intentions, there might have been a time or two after I got to drive where I kind of stopped by for the cake, okay? But, but in reality, I'm, I'm really there for Mama, and I'm not getting to see her because she's doing so much. It's that feeling you've had before, maybe. Right when you knew you were going to have company, but the time got away from you, and now they're fixing to be there, and you aren't ready for them. You ever had that feeling? Or maybe you didn't know they were coming at all, and you got a call, and they said, can we stop by? And you're like, yeah, and all of a sudden, things that weren't bothering you 10 seconds ago are absolute tragedies now. You notice that? That pile of clean laundry that you were going to fold in just a minute? Well, that just looks like an absolute mess. we got to throw that in the closet and shut the door. <laughs> the clothes that have a spot or a hole or whatever that weren't bothering you a bit, now it's just egregious, isn't it? you got to do something about it. For some of you, more, the more accurate story is your wife's telling you you got to do something about it. <laughs> right? Somebody goes, hey, I'm, I'm coming over, and you can get so fixated on making sure that nobody sees the mess that is really part of your life. 
that you miss out on the person who's sitting right there with you in there. We're preoccupied with making sure that we're presenting ourselves rightly instead of just presenting ourselves honestly to Jesus. We will miss out on enjoying the presence of God. God works in honest places. He can work anywhere he wants to, but where he most often works and where he desires to work is when you would come to him and go, God, this is not the, the, clo- the clothes thrown in the closet me. This is not the chain shirt me. This is the real me. This is not the me who wants you to think that I manage my finances perfectly. This is the me who struggles. <laughs> this is not the me who wants everybody else to think that I've memorized over half of the Bible. This is the me who hadn't read mine in a couple of weeks. When we come to God honestly and without a preoccupation for presentation, we are aligned and primed to enjoy the presence of God. Yet Martha's missing that. See, it's interesting. She's not offended about anything that she even should be offended about. She's not offended that, that Mary's not working hard for Jesus' sake. She's focused on herself. She goes, help me out, Jesus. Notice that she blames Mary and she even blames Jesus. Like, hey, you've got the authority to tell her to be doing something different. Would you do that for her? Jesus responds in our last couple of verses. He says this, verse 41 But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You may want to underline that. Many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. See, it's not that Mary's life is perfect. It's not that she's able to sit at Jesus' feet and just be with him and just listen to him, maybe just talk to him. She's not able to do that because she's already done all of her presentation and she's got it all wrapped up with a bow and everything is perfect. She's able to come and sit with Jesus because she trusts that he cares more about her newness than he does about her presentation. And so she's able to come and just sit with him and whatever brokenness she brings and whatever undone past she's got hanging out around the house, whatever it is that's not perfect in her world, she's able to to bring that and find some comfort with Jesus because burdens find their right weight in the presence of Jesus. We're not overly obsessed about them. We're not having to get it all right before he can talk to us. But we're also not having to deny them and act like they don't exist. We can just be who we really are and come and sit with Jesus. In fact, that's what he says that Mary has chosen. And he says it as an instruction to Martha. And really quickly, we'll just touch on the the things that he says about sitting with him, hearing from him, just desiring to listen. Listen, can I just ask this this morning, starting with me? When we think about interacting with God, is the tone of our heart listening? God, I want to wait on you. I want to listen. I don't want to speak most. I want to hear most. I don't want to show you what's going on in my life. I want to see what you're doing in my life. Are we listening? He says, listen, when you come and listen to me, you're in a great place, and here's why. First of all, it's the only necessary thing. You see him say that, verse 42? One thing is necessary. There are a lot of good things. There are a lot of helpful things. There are a lot of honorable things. There are a lot of responsible things. There are a lot of fun things. There are a lot of things. And that's not necessarily bad. You see, the trouble with Martha is not in what she was doing. It wasn't even 
necessarily in how much she was doing. It was that she had let it become a distraction. Jesus said it was distracting her and making her anxious and troubled. And so he's saying, listen, instead of that, look at Mary. She's chosen the one necessary thing. Recently, my wife and I picked out a car. We bought a used car. When we looked at the car, we looked at exterior color. We looked at reviews about how long the car would last, if it was durable. We looked at what type of interior, all these different things, low mileage, all this kind of stuff. Here's the thing that when you're thinking about how much you like your car or dislike your car, when you're thinking about getting a new car, here's the thing that you tend not to think about all that much is just this one simple question. Will it crank? This morning, the answer for my wife and my kids who were dressed up, ready to do worship Jesus on New Year's Day, the answer was no. <laughs> so they had to get somebody to come get them. They got to come in a little bit late. They're probably a little frazzled. If you happen to run across them today, give them some grace. Right? It doesn't matter how cool the car looks. It doesn't matter what the report is. If it doesn't crank, if it doesn't do the one absolutely necessary thing, then all the other stuff is pointless and it's lost. And Jesus said, here's the one necessary thing. I don't want you to add 17 lists of today's resolutions for your 2023. I just want you to do life with me. I just want you to sit at my feet as you ride down the road. You enjoy the song, but you enjoy it with me. Or maybe you turn the radio off just so you can talk and hear from me. When you do life, make those decisions, but don't just make them for yourself, right? Get stressed out in your head trying to figure out what should I do in this moment to honor God. Instead, ask God. Even if it's just under your breath in the moment, God, what should I do here? Do life with him. It's the one necessary thing. And he says it's the good portion. That actually means best. He's saying it's the best thing. The best thing. God, if you're offered two options do you just voluntarily choose the lower quality or do you choose the best if you're if you're offered two football no let's not go there all right if you're offered i didn't think that through and now i'm like i'm in enemy territory right but if you're if you're offered right if you're offered ice cream as i was last night and you're offered like like yams just raw to gnaw on you go, I think I'll take the ice cream. You don't have to think about it much. Maybe, I don't know, this could be a Georgia, maybe y'all gnaw yams in Georgia. I don't know, right? But I'm guessing that most of us would instinct just go, ice cream, it's better. Jesus is saying, listen, to have a heart that just trusts me enough just to come. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. You're not always going to feel like you're hearing directly from me. There are times where you pray maybe for days and days and weeks and weeks and you don't feel like it's making it past the ceiling tiles. right? But if you'll just have a heart that trusts me to want to come and be with me, you'll be doing the one necessary thing. And that thing for you is best. Then he says this promise. He says, when you live life that way, when you decide to come and sit with me, that cannot be taken away from you. As I thought about Jesus' promise that, hey, this won't be taken away from you, what he's really promising is, is that his heart to engage with you won't be taken away from you. He's, he's tied himself to you. If you're one of his followers, he's tied himself to you in, in committed, uh, irreversible fashion through the presence of the person of his spirit in you, Ephesians says. He's jumped all in, and he's going, I'm here. This will not be taken away. I thought about the movie The Notebook several years ago. If you hadn't seen it, maybe, you know, good for you and bless you, right? Because it's, it's like a romance movie, and I don't know if that's everybody's jam, okay? But 
There are parts of it that are funny as this guy's falling in love with this girl. And one of them that I really liked in that movie was she's, I believe, on a date with another guy. Or she's at least riding in a, a Ferris wheel car with another guy. And she's going around this Ferris wheel. And this, this little maverick of a dude who decides he's going to date this girl, he runs and jumps and climbs up the Ferris wheel. And he's literally just hanging by one arm off her Ferris wheel cart. And he's like, say, you'll go out with me or I'm just going to let go. And she's like, no, ah! Like, at first, she's like, there's no way I'm going out with you. Then when he says, hey, we're in this together. My life is on the line. I'm all in right here. Then she goes, okay, I'll go out with you. <laughs> Interesting tactic, by the way, gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know that I would try it. <laughs> but, but the point is, he puts himself all in and goes, I have shown you I'm here with you, and this can't be taken away. We're either going to have a sloppy moment together with the police show up, or we're going to have a date. But whatever we do, we're going to experience it together. I'm not taking myself away from you. I'm not taking this commitment away from you. Can I just say to you, man, that Jesus, is he absolutely concerned with righteousness and, and right behavior and things that honor God? He's more concerned about it than you've ever possibly imagined. He absolutely is perfectly concerned with that. But can I say this to you? That his honoring of God in ways that we tend to forget or maybe not even be able to stretch our minds to imagine is that he absolutely loves people who are chock full of the stuff that he absolutely hates. <laughs> he goes, I don't accept your sin. I don't accept all these things. But I am absolutely loving you. And I'm absolutely available to you. I've tied myself to you. I've committed myself to you. This year, would you just do one thing? Before all other things, would you let everything else fall in place after this one thing? Whatever it looks like for you, it can look really different from us. There's not a script on exactly how you sit at the feet of God. But would you just make it your priority? Would you make a commitment today? Maybe your commitment is just, God, I don't know what it looks like, but I am committing today that I will not stop until I figure it out. I'll ask somebody for help. I'll try one plan. If that didn't work, I'll try another. I'll try night times. I'll try mornings. I'll try in the car. I'll try whatever it is for you. But God, I will not give up until I figure out what it looks like for me to enjoy this opportunity of this one necessary, best thing that can't be taken away from you. Would you take this faith gamble? Would you invest your heart into trusting Jesus and see that life might be completely different, even if nothing changes, if you do that same life with Jesus. What does that look like for you? How do you need to respond today? If you don't know God through a relationship of faith with Jesus, you're in the right place. You're not an enemy. We love you. We all used to be in the same place. We'd love nothing more to encourage you and help you in any way we can. Come find me when we're done. Find a friend in this room. And if they're in this room, just consider them a friend. Nobody's going to make you do anything. If you want to ask questions or whatever we can do to help you. But if, if you're going, hey, I don't know that I really know God. I don't know that Jesus really does want to spend time with me. To do life with me. If that's you, don't leave here and do nothing about that. If you are a follower of Jesus and you know him. How do you need to respond to his word today? I'm going to trust his spirit to lead us in that. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you, by your spirit, would remind us this week. You would remind us this afternoon. You would remind us tonight. You would remind us tomorrow morning. 
that you are on record. Not just about being willing to be with us, but about eagerness to be with us. That you intentionally have entered our lives on purpose. God, would you help us to trust? God, it's just true of us that we just really don't trust sometimes that that sitting with you is the one necessary thing. God, I'm sorry, God, would you help us? Would you remind us? Would you help us to trust? Would you show each of us in our hearts what it looks like for us to enter into a new year? Not just doing life or doing life about you, but to do life with you. What does that look like for us? Where do we need to take a a next step in that direction? Would you show our hearts even now? For some of us, maybe it's a first step. Would you show us now, God? Would you give us courage to seek out the friend or the pastor or the mentor or the, the whoever? Figure it out. God, would you make us restless where we would otherwise be content in doing life about you, but without you? God, you're good. Jesus, we love you and we desire to love you more than we do. We ask that you would bring that about in our hearts, that we would live for your glory and we would enjoy it more than we've ever imagined. We enter into this new year. We ask all this for your name, Jesus. Amen.